Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, part two of a chat with the wonderful Skylar Bailar, aka Pink Manta Ray on Instagram. I love him. It's Trans Awareness Week. Get involved. Here we go. In the context of doing a book tour in America, as a trans person and book bands and all of that, like, is that a conversation you have with your publishers? Like, Mm. there's places we can't go or there's places we want to go and cause a stir or, you know. Yeah. Safety is always something that I I consider, but because I look the way that I do and I I know how I look, I have the privilege of not being received as a queer or trans person much of the time. The most obvious marginalized identity that people see when they look at me is that I'm Asian American or or at least not white if they can't figure out what race I am. So, So that does actually present, like when I go to the South, I get a lot of stares, which is interesting. And I, I always wonder if it's because people know I'm trans, but I know that people don't most of the time guess that. So I assume that it's my race or the way I look or something I'm doing. So I, you know, I, I worry less about my trans identity as an immediate issue in, in other places, but I really tried hard to get a place in Florida and a place in uh, Texas to bring this specifically to those, those states that have, I think the, the worst anti-trans legislation wasn't able to mm-hmm. do so in Texas just because of the availability and hopefully we'll get one in Miami. We'll see. <laughs> yeah because so it's miami is miami liberal miami, miami's miami? a blue a, a blue dot for sure but it's still in florida you know and i think as yeah. soon as you leave miami very quickly becomes florida again <laughs> i suppose what's on my mind at the moment here in the uk but i know that it simply echoes the us is there's two things going on neither of which any queer person or trans person should have to deal with but There is a lack of understanding. There is people who don't like queer people. But there's also massive weaponizing of queerness that is creating fear amongst people who actually would be okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I wonder if you feel that on the ground, you know, like I know you were were in New York when you got a big sold out event and, and a load of positivity, but do you see that kind of slight dichotomy of like the narrative in the media that is stirring hate and actually when you go out there and meet people you get a great response or am i being really stupid no no i think that's a really great point so the primary problem that i think is turning the tension about trans people and trans people in sports or trans people in the bathrooms or trans people and gender affirming healthcare, right? All of the, the, the majority of people are good people with good intentions and good moral values that are, are being 
sort of uh, trampled upon, manipulated by anti-trans mm. rhetoric that is stoked by propaganda and lies. So you're absolutely correct that I think most people actually would be supportive of queer and trans people. They're not just, you know, know core isn't transphobic it's that they they've been told okay well if you want to protect women well then trans women threaten women right if you mm -hmm. want to protect children gender affirming care is mutilating children they're giving us these lies essentially that are not based in any facts there are no facts that support right that trans women are any kind of threat in the bathroom all of the research supports that gender affirming care is appropriate and life-saving um, and helpful to children Right. But then they just inject these fears and people are like, well, I want to protect children. So we shouldn't have this this gender affirming care stuff. So it mm. is absolutely true when I meet people and I provide facts and I share my humanity, I share the humanity of other trans people. So many people come up to me and be like, wow, I, you know, I never thought about it this way. And I was mm -hmm. told this, but then you showed me this and wow, you know, this is just another person living their life. So that happens to me yes. all the time. And it's happened for years. I mean, I've, I've done this work and I've given almost 500 speeches uh, to date trainings all over the country. Um, and it doesn't really matter where I am. People don't have all the facts. They don't have all the context. They don't understand the sort of core of these issues. And and that makes sense because that education isn't there and where it is, it's getting banned, right? By all these book mm. bans. Um, and so that's why I wrote the book was to give this education to as many people as possible because everybody seems to be talking about trans people and gender in the US, in the UK, Canada, and beyond. Um, mm. and, and people need the research and the context and the humanity at the forefront. You mentioned education there. And I think, honestly, your Instagram account has been, not just to me, but to so many people, has been this incredible education. That There's something about the way that you do it, which is just calm and inclusive. And, and not that you should have to be these things. You don't need to explain who you are. But, you know, that's not what I'm saying. It's just that it's just there's something about it that's amazing. And I think of, and I think how wonderful all the ripples out from that and the things that people can point to that it on your content to facilitate conversations, I suppose. And I think it's it's so wonderful. And I was trying to go Thank back. You. What was your first post in the in the world of <laughs> Pink Manta Ray? And how did that come about? Oh gosh. The first post that uh, that's on there and you can still scroll back and see it is a is a photo that's cut off at the head. So I I was mm -hmm. anonymous. That's why it's also called Pink Manta Ray instead of my name. Mm -hmm. Because I, I didn't want it to be uh named I to remember me. Remember this now. Yeah. Yes. I wasn't I was wasn't interested in in you know becoming a public figure at the time. I was not even coming out. I was just wanting to be like, okay, let me try. Let me try saying who I am somewhere, right? Where people don't wow, know me. That's great. Um, I had I had found and and been lurking online and seeing so many other trans people on Instagram. And I found this sort of small, beautiful, transmasculine community on Instagram. And I thought, okay, maybe I can post too. And I don't have to name myself. I can just be anonymous. And maybe I can find people through that. Right? Maybe I can feel like I belong somewhere as well. Maybe I also can learn more about myself and practice saying these things. At the time, I'd never really said aloud, I am transgender. And mm. so this, you know, Instagram was actually one of the first places I ever said, I'm transgender. I use he, him pronouns, and this is who I am. So the first post mm. says that it basically says, hi, I'm Skylar. I'm beginning my transition. I'm trying to figure myself out. Um, I think I'm a trans man and I'm a, also a swimmer and I've been recruited to swim in college on a women's team and I don't know what to do. Can anybody help? 
So that's the first post. And it's a picture of me wearing like my favorite jeans at the time, which I called my man jeans because at the time I was still sort of drifting between different gender presentations of myself and then like a button down shirt that I loved. And it's like cut off from here. I'm posing and I'm in a a mirror (laughs) and it's like hashtag transgender. I think I even hashtag lesbian because I just like wasn't sure what to hashtag at that point. (laughs) You want to get the likes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, it was less the likes. It was more like no I wanted joking. like community that that would see it, that would get it. So I think that was mm-hmm. where the hashtag lesbian came in. And also I wasn't I wasn't ready to let go of that label. You know, talk about grief. Mm. I there was a lot of grief I experienced letting go of the the womanhood community, mm. or I guess the women community, um, and my womanhood and what that like, sort of the ticket that my womanhood was into woman community. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of grief in letting that go because despite the fact that I've never been a woman. I've always been able to find camaraderie with women yeah. given the sort of visual appearance of myself that allowed me to be welcomed into those spaces. And I'm no longer welcome in those spaces, especially mm-hmm. if I don't declare my trans or queerness um, mm-hmm. as somebody who's perceived as a cishet, a straight, you know, cisgender man. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not welcome in women or femme spaces. And that that's been devastating to me because that was 18 years of my life where those were the spaces yeah. I grew up in. So um, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of grief in letting go of that. So I think that was also what drove me to keep that lesbian hashtag. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There is something amazing about the unity of women and the way that they lift each other up, which I do think is different from men. Sure. I had my own glimpse into it. So as a kid, I only hung out with girls and, you know, very typical young gay boy like that but my recent glimpse into it was having a baby me and my husband had a baby and it's been unbelievably great and but in the lead up I really did not know what I was doing and all my female friends who've had kids just opened this door into this incredible support network where they all come around and they bring you stuff and they help you and they answer your questions. And there's just, and it was just, I was just reminded of the amazingness of, of women together. And, and like you say, you had 18 years of that. Okay. Of course it wasn't right for you, but you still lived it, you know, and it's still an amazing thing to have been part of. Right. Well, I, yeah. And I think that it's also there's a socialization aspect of it that you're talking about of sort of women, I think, being more likely to be socialized to bond and to share their feelings and to hug each other yeah. and to just 
be intimate. I, I don't mean sexually. I just mean like be intimate with each other mm-hmm. that men are not only not socialized to do, but are punished for doing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a really, one of my best friends is a, is a guy who's not trans and, and not gay. So he's a, a cis straight man. And we are very intimate friends. We hug each other. We'll sit and watch a movie together and sit close to each other. We have spent a lot of time in college just hanging out. We shared clothes because we're the same size and that was just easy, whatever. Very girl things, quote unquote, Mm. and everybody thought we were a gay couple. And, and that's like, that's fine. Neither of us cared. It wasn't about being perceived as gay. It was more just like, in order to be like, if you are intimate, you must be gay. Right. And I thought that was, especially as somebody. You were were just being nice to each other. Right. Well, we were just, well, we had this amazing (laughs) friendship that I think most other men don't have with each other. And that is a really important friendship. We both cried on the phone with each other. We've both like Mm. sat with each other through breakups. Like we've, we've both like been there in a really special way that I think everybody should have. And I have a lot of friends actually that I have similar amounts of intimacy with because I crave that and I want that. I don't have energy for friends that are not going to be intimate like that with me because I think it's important to have that. Not with everybody, but you know, uh, enough people. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I think that that's like we rob young boys of having that. And then we rob men of having that. And then those men rob all the young boys of it. And then it just continues. And this is toxic masculinity, right? It's the patriarchy and it's violence. But I think that people don't, we don't talk about that enough. And it's something that I talk about in the book about masculinity mm-hmm. from the lens of a trans man. And, and there's a lot that I've learned having not been raised to be a boy, but then being a boy now, I mean, I've always been a boy, but the the way I've been able to walk into my manhood has shown me this very strong dichotomy with how girls are socialized to be intimate and how boys are socialized to be intimate and what's allowed in intimacy. And I think it's devastating. So I think, yes, part of it's socialization, but part of it is also how patriarchal power works to segment men into these individualistic mindsets of, I have to just be by myself and to put my head down. I can't you know, ask for help and I can't talk to people. I can't share my emotions. And this is how I am powerful. Mm. And again, we're really, we're really depriving, cheating young boys out of their own humanity. And the problem is, and it doesn't just hurt them. They start to do that to everybody else. And there be, you know, there lies the patriarchy. Well, because you can draw from, you know, you can draw a line directly between that, everything you've just described and books being banned in schools. Of course. And, and, and it's like the fear around gender is something I will go to my grave being continually mystified by. When you were just describing toxic, toxic masculinity and speak about it in the book, how you know your exposure to it changes and and all of that in my mind i was sort of visualizing like almost like a black hole you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like this thing that sort of sucks you in Mm -hmm. because toxic masculinity it's not just men who are educated in toxic masculinity you know it's non-binary people and women we're all like think of the way And I don't want to criticize anyone for this because I think it's this insidious thing that is women want that from their men, you know, so they won't want them to be weak because they have also been socialized in that direction. Tell me a bit more about that exposure to toxic masculinity and what how it appeared, I suppose, because I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think patriarchy infects everybody. It's not just men. It's perpetuated and held in power by men. 
but it's reinforced by a lot of other people too. Um, mm. I, I tell people this whenever I talk about fighting toxic masculinity, I say it's about raising young boys to have a full expression of their emotions and allowing that, permitting it, welcoming it, celebrating it. And that's men doing that with young boys, but it's also women and non-binary people. It's everybody allowing young boys to have their emotions. It's women allow and, and other partners of, of, of men allowing their partners to have full expressions of emotions. It's fascinating because the times I've talked about allowing masculinity to encompass more than just the stoicness and anger. Some of the most angry people in the comments are actually women. And I've had some comments that are like, I've done posts, like actually with the friend I was talking about uh, just a moment ago, Kevin, we hold mm -hmm. up a sign that says boys do cry, right? Let, let boys cry. And, and there was this comment thread that I saw once and it was, it was just, it was devastating honestly to me. There was a, a woman who was saying, I'm a woman and I don't want no man who's going to be doing all these things. Like I need a man who's strong and I need, a, and this is patriarchy. It is, it is this, it's seeped into what women and other people want from men. And it just, it's a cycle. I don't blame women in this because I also think it's about how we construct these systems of power, right? And then systems of oppression. But I do think it's mm. all of our responsibility to step into dissecting it in the ways that we can, right? A woman mm -hmm. welcoming the expressions uh, of, a, of a man isn't going to change the patriarchy overnight, but it's going to help kind of shift this. But men also need to take the first steps. Yeah. And, and everyone should introspect on how you personally have been tricked because yes. it is no one's fault in a way, isn't it? You know, yeah. we're just here for a brief moment in time, but there's thousands of years of indoctrination it's really hard stuff to untangle over dinner with you with your relatives but i just want to talk a bit about your grandmother and your transition and how that was because it really touched me yeah my grandmother uh my mom's mom is uh, a korean immigrant she actually is north korean so she was born in north korea and then right before the war started in korea that separated the two koreas or rather separated the one korea into two koreas um <laughs> they walked from 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 pyongyang the capital of north korea to, to seoul and i share that because you know, she was 13 at the time and her mom was the one leading the charge. Like all of this strong womanhood came right from North Korea to South Korea to the US. Um, so come from this very strong line of, of womanhood. Um, my is also very Catholic. And like I said, just now she's an immigrant. So if you just, you know, bring a little bit of stereotype for a moment in about, you know, Catholic Korean immigrant grandmothers, <laughs> being transgender was not exactly a conversation I wanted to have with her. <laughs> Um, so I was very afraid to share it. I was very scared. I was very pessimistic. Essentially, we sit down with her and I share that I'm trans and her response is, well, I already knew that. I was like, what? What do you mean you already knew that? What are you talking about? And and she said, you know, okay, fine. I have two grandsons from, from your mother because I have a, a younger brother. And while we were all holding back tears, she launches into this discussion of, you know, all these things about trans people that she's read online and somehow they're positive enough to be convincing to her. <laughs> um, I don't <laughs> think she's getting her news. <laughs> I, I don't know. So she she had all these things she wanted to tell me that she'd learned about trans people somehow before even us talking about this. Um, but then she she has one stipulation and her her one stipulation is that I can be a boy and I can be a man. But in Korean culture, daughters, so girls, take care of their parents. And because my mom has now two boys, I have to still still take care of my parents. And that's still my responsibility. 
Wonderful. I, of course, agreed. Um, but this is something that I've carried with me a lot. You know, my grandmother, I think, was such an example of of people surprising you, of people coming up with, you know, their love first, as opposed to mm-hmm. all of the other excuses anybody can use to say, nope, I'm not going to. And so I think it's proof that love can always prevail, um, but we have to give people the chance to, and we have to recognize that even though it can always prevail, sometimes it doesn't. And mm-hmm. so we should fight together for the day when it always does prevail. And I think that requires a lot of education. That's why I wrote the book. I think it requires faith, not religious faith necessarily, but just faith in humanity. And I think we are losing that. So I think it's something we need to focus on and, and really mm-hmm. understanding people's humanity. But my grandmother has been you know, somebody that I've always looked to when thinking about the ability to overcome difference, the ability to hold, I think, human connectedness as the most important guiding factor. And I think that's uh, something you know we can all learn from. It's incredible. And because one of the lovely things that you said is I am, I am a firm believer that most people are good people Yeah. in your book. And now you're married. Now I'm married. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. How, Thank you. how was your wedding? Uh, my wedding was beautiful and tiny and exactly what me and my, my wife were looking for, just intimate family um, and uh, a beautiful, you know, on fire sunset that we got. We somehow lucked out with the, with the sky. So it was a very beautiful day um, and evening. And, um, and yeah, we're married. And the love when you get married, and not that I think everybody should get married, you know, I'm aware oh, that them. people will. Yeah, sure. yeah will. Um, it's not for everyone. Aside from the presence, the love that emanates in a room on a wedding day is quite something, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, definitely. We both cried um, and so did all of our attendees. So it was a, definitely a beautiful day and something that I will cherish. Thank you, Skylar. I loved that chat. Tune in on Thursday when we're joined by the iconic William Hansen. Etiquette expert who has gone mad i mean mad as in viral huge is the word on tiktok get in touch at homo sapiens on instagram facebook at homo sapiens podcast email your comments your questions your agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com now then uh, i'm gonna go and put on some factor 80 and get in that sunshine bye for now catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 